The Rhythm Changes podcast is sponsored by William Chernoff. That's me. I'm a jazz musician. I have a song coming out here in July 2021 with my friend Will Clements. It's called Don't Miss Me. He wrote the lyrics, I wrote the music, and the release date is Friday, July 30th. It sounds like Chet Baker, Kurt Elling, Diana Krall, and other artists whom Will and I have been played next to on CBC Music and Canadian Community Radio. Go to williamchernoff.com to learn more about our new song, Don't Miss Me, featuring Will Clements. At this stage of my career, it's gravy. It's it's a bonus getting to, to continue to do this. You used to be able to, you would be quantifying things, money in your bank account, everything else. And, and I think that that's changed a lot. Success is, for me, is the, the ability and the continuation of being able to do what I love to do. Welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast. I'm your host, Will Chernoff. Today, I spoke to Jay Knutson. Jay is best known for being a founder of the band Spirit of the West, but I played with Jay in a band called Early Spirit for the last few years. The band continues without me and has upcoming gigs, including on July 17th at the Harrison Festival in British Columbia. We talk about that, and just like a usual conversation between me and Jay, everything else. So how are you, man? It's been a long time. It has been. It has been. It's been long enough that your hair is growing right down to past your ears. <laughs> Every time I see you, you got a new haircut, which is great because it's not many people that can grow their hair that fast. It's been, what, a couple of months maybe, and it's just, it looks like, uh, well, maybe it's been longer than that, hey? Well, this has been for about a year now, unfortunately. See, I was thinking about this because I have a couple of gigs now like early spirit does that things are reopening right and i have this photo shoot that i did last year and it's at a certain hair length that i've had for several years and now i've spaced myself a year away from having taken those photos and i've got all this hair that is not shown in the photography so <laughs> i'm not exactly it's nice to it's, it's nice to change a, a progression in lots of different ways and, and length of hair is always a good progression <laughs> it's, it's really a time indicator in what has been a, a virtual timelessness of the last year and a half so there you go it's, it, we can only tell the time has gone by by the length of our hair and our beards which <laughs> which is also manifested and showed up <laughs> over the course of the last year and a half so what are your takeaways from all this just in broad strokes because we never really had the chance to really sit down about it like where are you at right now and what what are the lessons learned or the unexpected things that have hit you over the last while it's interesting because i i think um i had never given introspection and self-observation much time ever um this was kind of forced and with isolation and um the the whole being on my own at that point it was um it was a kind of a an interesting chance to wipe the slate clean but start again from the core rather than what was kind of needed to be done just right away immediately and uh so you know consequently it was a great time to be creative because i could afford that time great time to step outside the this the safe boundaries of you know 
writing for for purpose specifically and be able to kind of extend uh, over things that you might not have done before. Fortunately, we've got the technology, the mediums now to be able to at least um, at least open that up a little bit, you know, get that down and and record outside. So I think you know, in retrospect, not that I would wish to um, to repeat that whole last year and a half, but in retrospect, I think I will make time each year at some point to be able to get away just to be able to kind of do this, just to read things that I've wanted to read for a while, to um, write things that I've been wanting to write for a while. I mean, it's really easy. I know you're a note keeper too, and you know, we're always jotting down notes and, and have things and, and lists and, and phrases and all of these, you know, and they just kind of manifest and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you think, well, one day I'll get to all of that. Unfortunately, this time uh, gave us that opportunity to do it. So I kind of think you know, maybe this will be a, a chance to reestablish from a grassroots level what um, what it is that that we're doing. Also for the audiences in general, I think it's going to be a, a reboot button, you know, so that they can, they recognize the fact that there's a, a, a big part of what culture, music, art, all of those things that were being taken for granted kind of now because everything is instantly accessible all of the time. Um, without of that, without the opportunity, especially in the case of live music and, and the bands that they're following and such, um, again, I think establishing at a grassroots level where it's not out of control, where the tickets aren't going to be through the roof and you don't have to join a line for 80, of 80,000 other people to see a show, you know, that hopefully, fingers crossed, that that's going to, that's going to kind of, you know, progress again and we'll be able to sort of rebuild that. And so in that respect, I'm somewhat optimistic about, about what's going to be happening. And, um, but, you know, I guess it's just now a matter of laying down that, uh, you know, stone to be able to walk upon and, and move forward. And um, so, you know, it's uh, just like you're saying about the shows, they're starting to come in now. It's great just to see the enthusiasm from from the general public. And, and it's given us a chance to kind of refocus a little bit and, and take a step back from just having to kind of press default and going ahead, ahead, ahead with all of the, you know prescribed methods of moving forward so we're here in july 2021 and early spirit has a couple of things to bring the band into british columbia's reopening you've got two that i'm aware of for sure on the books one of them is at the harrison festival in british columbia and the other one is in gibson's a house show on the sunshine coast so i'm curious what is happening within early spirit to make things happen again what does it look like when you get together and what are you up to to make these things happen <laughs> lots of rehearsing at this point because <laughs> everybody's pretty rusty and has been taken you know in all sorts of different directions so again like everything else we were just talking about or i was just discussing that it it's a chance to kind of look back and think okay uh, where do we want to lay down the the foundation for what's going to be done live and again because we haven't had to take that into consideration how are we going to build on that what's the new pacing of the show it's not like we're going to be able to do too much trial by fire because these things are popping up quickly thank goodness they're popping up quickly because it's it, you know everyone's just dying to get out and, and play we've done a few little pop-up shows to to uh you know just kind of get a sense of of contacting people again and like you know it's it's about communication and and pacing and all of those things that go along with putting on putting on a, a show or concert 
But um, Harrison will be the first test in in a, a larger scheme, and and like everything else, it's changing by every couple of days. Now that the limitations on audiences have opened up a little bit, it was originally going to be, um, it was it was it was going to be held to just fifty people, I think, when we when we actually signed the contract to do the show. Uh, then it went to Andy said, "Well, we're pretty confident we'll have seventy five by the time it comes." Now it's like last week is a hundred. Now they're open. It, it could be more than that. So I think that that's all good. That's all. That's all good. They're they're being very careful anyway. They're erring on the side of caution. The focus though is that just getting getting that kind of um, opportunity to to be able to go back out into in, into those shows is going to be exciting for us. And uh, same thing with the house concerts slash field concerts, you know, as, as people are starting to put those back on in communities. There's a community series in, in Seashelt, and there's another few that we've just discussed in the last few days doing, and there's an off-the-rail thing going on. And so they're, they're, they're literally just kind of coming in each week, which is great because that's uh, everyone has stuff on their plate now for the summer. Because you just you know you fill in the blanks and and we're going to do things, but we'll we'll work around it. You know it's it's uh, everything's negotiable at this point, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm not afraid to point out because I'm already your friend that you've had a 45 year career and counting, (laughs) (laughs) and I know that you've that's being generous. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thought a lot about different things in terms of what it's like to be an artist, which I've always appreciated. There's a couple of them that I want to bring to the Rhythm Changes podcast audience here, but maybe the simplest one is, in your opinion, what makes a good set list? Well, you, you having played with me, you know that the set list is basically like a... a, a it's like a general idea of where things might go. <laughs> and um, you want to have that because without that roadmap down in front of you, it, it you can get into the ditch or off the road pretty quick. But with it there, then I feel liberated somewhat to be able to deviate because I've always played with, you know, great musicians like yourself and, and the boys that are in the band now. And, and so they're kind of hip to the fact that it might, it might go somewhere else during the course of, and and for me that's always been, I I guess I learned that that habit from a lot of the the artists that I really appreciated of, of playing with in the past that were that were live oriented and and they could the way that they would make that connection with the audience and it would just go sometimes it would just it would just go like for instance I, um, Connie Calder who is a Canadian singer songwriter I played for many years and wonderful entertainer. Um, She'd get on a roll some some days, and I think I've probably told you this before, but I remember one set we were going in, we were supposed to do a 45-minute set. The audience was in stitches, and she was on a roll, and it just kept rolling and rolling. We got three songs in that 45-minute set, and her songs are short, so that gave me an indication, but the audience was loving it and it was not something that you would duplicate because it was not premeditated it was just you know it was just that interaction with the audience and reading the audience being a part of that whatever they're taking if they're feeling good about it you feel they're with you then that's something you feed off you know so um sometimes the mood will change it dictates something completely different than the premeditated 
meditated set that you had written. And so sometimes you need to do something a little more serious or something that changes the pace and slows it down or something that picks it up because you just feel that they, you know, they're, they're, they're wanting to dance or whatever it is. So uh, I, I guess that's one of the things that you can only, um, you know, only feel confident and comfortable with if the band has been playing for a little while and 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 knows each other's signals and, and such and and is, is comfortable in in straying a little bit at the early part of the game with new players and such you're a little bit more hesitant to to do that and you have to kind of stick to the game plan a little bit but um you know again i i think that that's one of the beauties of of the experience and, and in folk music it, it is that communicative aspect. They expect that in, in folk music. So for it to be there in conjunction with, you know, with reading the general mood and in festivals, again, it's anyone's guess. Sometimes they just want to get up and swirl, you know, <laughs> and other times they're ready to listen. So if you can kind of handle both, then I think that's a huge bonus and more fun. Yeah, that checks out with my experience over the years playing with you where I started out playing these very specific and consistent setless every time we would perform and then it started to get different because we got more comfortable in early spirit and because we started playing different types of gigs so they required dramatically different things yeah absolutely and and you know as the repertoire increases and you have more to draw from in that war chest uh, but you know, I I remember playing gigs with you when, when I don't think you or Gabrielle had ever heard the tune before, and I you know, and I just felt the need to do it. And and again, I had no at that point I didn't didn't question whether um, it was going to be difficult because you guys would just kind of fold in and things would work, and you know, it might go in a different direction. But generally, that, that again, that's where it gets fun. I love that kind of freedom, and and that's just something that that you know, time and familiarity uh, will will yield. So. Yeah, every Spirit of the West tune that we've done was introed to me live, like I had never heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> we used to do that a lot with that group. <laughs> but it certainly doesn't, you know, and as you get a little bit older, you just start taking things for granted, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember one day in that heady time when Gabrielle and I were starting the band, where we went online and we searched up some of those songs on YouTube and listened to the original recordings for the first time. And we were like, oh, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that too. <laughs> yeah, the, it, it, the, the, um, the edges do seem to get rounded down a little bit over the years and it definitely does take a little bit different feel. But again, that's, that's the beauty of... The, the, the thing about recording music is that I love the the notion that it's a documentation of the time of that band. It's the era of that particular time period and it and it and it's put there for posterity and it's it's documented. So after that it doesn't mean that that song doesn't keep evolving and sometimes it goes in a completely different way after a number of years and I think you know it's we've especially in the in the kind of um genre that you know we both played in i i think that 
we've never had to just reproduce what was on the record. It was just not, it was never kind of the idea. It was, it was more, you know, the, the constant growth. And, you know, and so constantly you're referring to other bits and pieces of songs and things that, that would work here. And, and that's, you know, that keeps us on our toes. It keeps it fun that way. Um, the improvisation, you know, there's always a, a, a lovely room meant for improvisation around themes and that's always good that keeps us up and it keeps us in you know um i i think it it keeps you attached and and that's the that's what you want to be doing as well so otherwise i i think it would be a real challenge i think i probably mentioned to you at one point before that if if even in the in the the really old songs like say aberdeen that was one of the first spirit of the west tunes that we were doing if i couldn't close my eyes and be there in that place where I was, where I was writing it, and see the story in front of me, then I didn't feel I didn't feel like I was attached to the song, you, you know. And and being able to um, to put yourself in that place, in the story, in the in the time, and then let it go where it did, as we as we did with that in in, in that tune, and it's taken on so many different different iterations. Uh, it's still you know it's still really important to be able to connect to it. On a on a you know visceral level, so that so that you can, um, I I think believe it yourself. So how would you describe the new music that Early Spirits working on right now? It's interesting because I think um, again, rather than you know, we always worked as as uh, individuals, and then we put our ideas together when we were hashing out pre production and everything. So now I think it's been a little more conceived from from A to B because of the time that we've had to, to put that forth. What's cool is that even though, like everything else, as, as you know, when you bring other p- players in, uh, ideas pop up and things change, ideas change. So I don't think it's a, a, a huge um, diversion from from the process that we've we did on on the first album i think the new album is pretty exploratory and um there's there's a couple pieces that are going to be way outside that box um that we've been working on one with um with some symphony players and and arrangements that are going to be um with with some horns and clarinet and and, and on and just a, some really some winds it's going to be a little bit different and, and intentionally I, I think that that's important too i think that's a growth step uh, for me as a writer i heard it in a completely different fashion and i i wasn't going to use that particular piece in context of early spirit but um going back on it i thought no this is this is a real good opportunity for us and it's not it's not a whole change of direction it's just you know again adding adding a few new colors to the palette to be able to paint a broader picture from so that's been kind of exciting and um and then there's a few that we've had in the can now for a little while and that you know hollow tree being one and uh so we've got we have a bit of a horn arrangement on it, but I don't know whether we're going to use it or not. We'll see how that goes. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be fun to see see exactly how that's put together. You know, in in my mind, it's the concept of of um, yes, like I said before, documenting that one particular period of the band has broadened a lot because it's now encompassed the better part of two years that we're accumulating all of these different interests in influences from. So um, I think. They'll be, they'll definitely be the cornerstone kind of pieces that we're used to that that feel like the band, and 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 we could go out and just 
pretty much perform uh, as is on stage. And then there's going to be some some other little, uh, you know, like I said, it's kind of adventures. And I, I'm I'm looking forward to getting into the studio, and and then using that extension as well because it's it's really a creative tool as well. So that we'll be able to take it into an environment where we'll be able to create on a on a different level again, having that broader palette. So it it'll be fun. Now that it's been a few years since Early Spirit recorded and released Unrelated, it gives you the chance to reflect on it in maybe a similar way as you can on all the other albums that you've made in your career because there's enough distance. And when I think about that time, I feel that it just felt very kind of predetermined, like we were just moving so fast that it's like we didn't even know what was going to happen. It was just going to be what it was. And I won't, I won't say too much more, but I'm curious your thoughts on this. How do you reflect on the, the year 2018 or the time making Unrelated? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was, you're, you're right. It was all of a sudden we're out of the gate. You know, we've, we've been lining up for a while. They've put everything into place and then the gates open and you're running. And that's kind of, that's kind of what it was. We had, you know, we played together as a trio and uh, with, with Gabriel and yourself and myself. And so we had some ideas, but clearly early spirit was taking a, a little bit different direction, incorporating a lot of different things. And we, we, you know, we, we pretty much spanned the country and as far as where geographically we were recording, but also I think um, in, in the approach, they were radically different from Monarch to uh, recording in, in Quebec. And uh, so, you know, I, 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 I applaud us for, um, for being open enough to, to use that and, and to, you know, to, cause that, that's pretty, you know, pretty diametrically opposed, not opposed, but, but, uh, situated, um, as far as putting that album together. And, um, I, again, I think it's a great documentation of, of that particular time and, uh, showed the evolution and and the the core of of where it was going to go because there was a lot of outside influences at that point and um and but I think again that what was growing the seed of what was growing from the center was was starting to germinate and and then you know again having that next year and change to play and we were playing a fair number of shows at that point everything started to you know just take on a, a little bit different stride and and uh, there were songs that we didn't play as much songs that we played regularly those ones that took on um took on the sort of focal point or the uh, the uh, the foundation of the sets and so you know when i look back upon that even in in comparison to the other albums they're always different they're all you know it, when they come out you always think well you know what it could have should have didn't but the, at the same time um that's why i i I think it's really important to do it, to commit it, to have it out there, to put it in form and, and to let it go and, and move on. Because I think if you continue to just go over and over and over the things that could have or would have or maybe you change, that, that whole editing process, I, in some ways I think it negates, it actually takes away from, from the, the spontaneity, the, 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 the spark that originally attracted you to those songs and they can become something that, that they weren't and probably not for the better. So again, I think in retrospect, um, I'm happy with the way that that, that, whole, that whole era, that whole um, album and the album cycle, as they call in the business, the album cycle went, and and I think uh, it's good, and and I'm excited about continuing it on and moving it forward, and 
and still having that that platform because believe me you know it's it's now it's not not nothing that we take for granted and um just having for me it's at this stage of my career too it's gravy it's it's a bonus getting to to continue to do this because a lot of folks that i know that have been playing for a long 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 time it it, the the whole covid situation ended the career it stopped they're not going to go back it's done and uh that's a you know that's a tsunami that's kind of rolled through and so it's it's uh yeah i'm i'm grateful that i still have that opportunity to be able to do that that's really cool that plus what you've already mentioned about community building grassroots says a lot but curious any other thoughts as you look at the future of the band or just your own music making what would success mean for you personally yeah uh, well again i think because i've had a few years under the belt um uh, and it's been a long and winding career um i think success is for me is is the 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 ability and the continuation of of being able to do what i love to do and it you know the level putting it up in 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 lights putting it up you know making hard fast um commitments to goals and such you know it's it's important for for the band to have a good game plan to to be able to put that down i at the same time um just the process is a huge part of it and and I think I enjoy that enough to know that that for me is successful enough in, in this business. Um, I, you know, it's it's it, it's a tough one. You used to be able to you would be quantifying things like that by record sales, by gold records, by attendance figures, by you know just money in your bank account, everything else. And and I think that that's changed a lot. It it's 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 not so quantifiable these days and i don't think it needs to be again i i think with kind of a a mental restructuring as to what it is that we continue to do and move forward it's um you you take you, you take a lot more of it in on a on a on a on a level that I think is just more important to the heart and to the soul, not so much for for the the measured success of of what it is um so you know it's it's just as as long as you can you know uh you know, play the drop and and hopefully uh it, that won't be too soon so uh <laughs> we're trying to trying to stay away from that but uh you know i've I've lost a lot of people in the last number of years and and it smacks of mortality so uh as you see a lot of your icons the guys that even we played festivals with in the early days that are, are not there or are you know at the point where they're not going to be able to play again, it just makes me think that I have to now more than ever focus on the present and and just kind of continuing this this next stage and uh, take it as it comes. And because that's all we've really got, and that's all we can do. So I'm a huge fan of Aiden Goheen, the new bass player of Early Spirit. What's it been like bringing him in? <laughs> <laughs> Aiden's the character. It's great. He's uh, it's it's been it's been good fun. Um, 
He's very easygoing and, and, and a sweet guy, and he's not ready to tell Gavinelle and I to shut up yet. You know, so <laughs> oh, he's got to learn the main lesson then. <laughs> I know exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right now, I think he's just watching the wheels turn. You know, <laughs> so as soon as he gets the gumption, maybe that'll be a whole different story. But <laughs> as it is right now, he smiles a lot, and that and um, and he seems to be having fun, and that's encouraging. You know, that's that's encouraging, and he's a great player. So that you know. So that helps too and and it's a different voice and you know it's always like that will it's it doesn't matter um doesn't matter what band it is you know it could be anything from you know from us to to you know a rock band that's been t- playing 20 years and only has one or two members still originally in the band everything changes all of the time and you and if you can still be excited about it and 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 those that input although it it shifts the um the complexion of, of of what exactly you know you're doing it's um it never you know it, again it, I, th- I think it's just redeveloping and shifting that core a little bit and so that that if it if it still feels vital if it still feels like you're feeding off each other if there's that if there's that little kick of energy then th- then that's all good so i'm i'm again excited about how that's going to um how that's going to show up on on stage you know once we get once we get those those situations because it's a you know it's a diff- it's a whole different thing doing it out there rather than just just sitting back and working the tunes and working arrangements so um you know they're they're really pre-production recording performance they they're all you know they they all have their own dynamic and and quite unique from one another and um so you know again i think it's just a matter of getting out there and doing each one of them to kind of polish up your polish up your craft a little bit so you play an upright bass uh both yeah uh uh right now it's about half and half and uh and we're actually we're rehearsing tonight with mando and and me bazuki him on mando and and uh, and gabrielle playing fiddles and such and so it's uh we might even get the um tenor guitar in there too so it's going to be a, a, a string onslaught a, a fixed string onslaught fixed fret onslaught which will be kind of fun maybe that's too specific but like how do you choose then like how does he know what is he going to play upright on what's he going to play electric on which songs are with um you know what I, I, i've totally let it, let him interpret it this time so you're you're right it's 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 fun rather than us just you know standing on and dictating um it's it's been fun to um to let him interpret what he thought would what he thought would cover those those things, and um, it's been, you know, he's he's pretty sympathetic to the overall feel, the overall grooves, and uh, that's helped a lot, um, in you know in that determination. It's uh, he's playing a five string, which is a little you know a little different than what we were using before too. So there's there's kind of an extra extra um, low frequency presence that that we hadn't um, you know hadn't experienced on stage and, and such before which is which is good and, and that has to be used sparingly like everything else and um, so that's been cool and uh, the mando thing well we'll see it's a bit of an experiment but I, I, I it's gonna it I know it's gonna be fine it's just again we're gonna have to readdress some of the tunes that we we're taking for granted that we just didn't do that for a long time I was not with this group, I wasn't playing the bazooki at all. And um, I thought, no, well, we'll put that back in, especially if it's going to be Mando in, and just take it down to a little more kind of acoustic level. And um, I think it's going to be fun. A couple of the new pieces are, are, are geared that way. Um, we're revisiting another tune on the new record 
called Irreversible Trend that I wrote a number of years ago that's going to have a, a full string arrangement, one of the ones we're going to do with the, the symphony players. And, and uh, so that's really changed the dynamic of that piece as well. So I'm quite excited about that. And of course, that'll be acoustic bass and acoustic guitars and such. But uh, so, yeah, it's just uh, you know, trial by, by fire. So I got another one for you here after what makes a good set list. What makes good live sound on stage and front of house? <laughs> if I only knew the answer to that question, I would have not put myself through that torture for the last 50 years of live sound on stage. <laughs> but I think it's it's getting a little bit closer these days because one of the, the great things about breaking it down is, as we did with Early Spirit was that we didn't, because of... Because of the the kind of whatever the the level of the the fiddle was, we could kind of play around that, and and that kind of dictated the the and, and that's a pretty low on stage level. I want to jump in here for a sec, just to break it down for either non musicians or people who haven't heard any of our music or your music before, like because a lot of people nowadays, especially younger musicians who've grown up with computer music, you know, it's D, you're diing absolutely everything literally like what instruments are you playing and how does it work and why is it harder to get a good onstage sound in front of house sound sometimes because of these things like acoustic instruments yeah i think the biggest um the biggest misconception about the live stage sound is that you actually think you can control it being the musician on stage and you can't so once you rid yourself of that notion, you think, oh, I'll just crank it up a little bit because I need to get more guitar here and the audience is going to hear all of that. And they don't. All that does is mess it up for the sound guy who you're putting your faith in out there, right? And it's the same thing with the monitors. If you're trying to immerse yourself in your particular monitor sound because that's all that you're focusing on and it's just really important that you know it's just you in there well that's not the way you're playing off your you know your your friends and so again i think getting back to the folkier days when when i was touring we used to set the the stage level around the grand piano if if that kind of set the level then everybody else would work uh, around that and so that made it a lot easier to uh, to find your place. And and then I think I kind of took that lesson um, one step further. And now, uh, again, working with the, uh, the violin, it kind of sets up an acoustic level that once you can create the vibe that you do when you're rehearsing and everybody's listening to each other and you're all, you know, you're all listening to one another, once you can get that stage sound based on something that's really comfortable with everyone else and everyone's playing off each other to hear each other. So that makes it, that makes it the best. Then if you're on the larger stages, you do try and recreate the same thing on that stage in that little area and you'll let the sound guy take care of what goes out front. And I was surprised because I, in a festival like, say, the Roots and Blues Festival that we did, um, that I was surprised at how strong that 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 sound was out front when I heard the uh, when I you know people had taped and and such, how how big it sounded because I remember it being on stage and it being very tight on stage, and just thinking, ah, oh, they they know what they're doing; it'll translate, and it did. It's always a problem. You know, when I saw, I saw, I remember seeing at the time of everyone using in the sort of 70s, in the early 70s, everyone was using massive setups on stage. 
you know, big amps, Marshall stacks and everything linked together. And, and, and the sound was ridiculous. It was, it was really hard to control. There was, it was, you were lucky if you could get um, vocals above everything. I went to see John McLaughlin in, and Mahavishnu Orchestra in the, in, in Vancouver. And um, I came, I remember coming on and he had an amp that was the size of this monitor on stage and that was it and a microphone in front of it. And I thought, what is, I mean, this guy's a guitar player. How's he going to be able to do all that stuff? Especially at that point, because it was getting, you know, it was, it was pretty tight. Jerry Goodman was playing violin and, and uh, it was, it was a very, you know, it was a cool band, but pushed, you know, and it was very electric and it killed. I mean, he had a little, he had one of the little prototype messes, I think, mess of boogies. And, and I guess he liked the sound enough that he just thought, well, if we put a microphone in front of it and put it right out in front. Now the, now the front of house systems were getting large enough to be able to, to, you know, translate better. And it sounded great. It sounded as big as any guitar sound. In fact, debatably a lot bigger because it was coming off at a volume that was controllable going through the front of house and, and it, it, they could focus on him when they needed to. So that was, and that was early in the game but not many people did that even for a long time after that but that was early in the, in the game to um you know to, to learn a little bit about that lesson of course that didn't stop me from buying a marshall stack and and, <laughs> and destroying my ears for the next three years but it's just you know that's the way it was back then <laughs> it was a status thing that's all <laughs> so now is the thing to really make the best possible live on stage sound especially with front of house is it that you want to feel confident that you're hearing the same thing that the audience is hearing? Oh, I, I, I think so. I think you want the audience to be hearing the same thing that you are creating. And, and that's, that's really important. You know, it's not just about hoping it all goes out there and gets mixed at, at a good level. You want to be, you want to be creating it at that on, you want to create that environment on stage and you want it to be well translated out front. So you need faith in who's ever doing the front of house sound to make sure everything's there. But um, yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting when you talk about now and modern music, especially everything being DI'd. And that happened too in the 80s. When band, I remember, you know, again, going to see Gowan when they first came out and Tony Levin was playing bass and um, Jerry Murata was, was drumming. And um, so they had a killer band. It was, um, you know, it was great, but there wasn't a open mic on stage except for the vocal mic. And at that stage of the game, it kind of sounded dead, even in a live environment. You know, there, there was no, um, there was no ambience. There, it didn't kind of everything. Everything was was taken de-eyed, and it, at the time, it, it seemed like a revolution, and it kind of was in some respect. But like every other revolution, it, there there needs to be, you know, kind of a, a both sides played out and balanced. And so I think that that was, um, you know, that was a step. In controlling some of the things that did indeed need to be DI'd, like you miking or you know miking uh, Hammond B threes and things was always a, a, a difficult chore. So it was nice once you could emulate a lot of that that sound. Once you could get through to getting proper um, direct signals from from keys, and that that was really helpful. I think that that made it a lot a lot easier for for the players and for the for the uh, musicians to be able to hear. So. Yeah, that that makes sense. Of course, yeah, nothing is really new. It's happened in the past decades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First, the the King Crimson actually did a tour where there was no open mics on stage too, which was 
you know, for a band like that, that was, you know, again, pretty, pretty early. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, we've always been exploring in how to get that better, better sound on stage. But I think it, it comes down to, again, you just make, you create the, the environment on your stage in, in your bubble and then, uh, and then have that interpreted out front as best it can be. And that's usually the safest anyway, in my experience. So. What's the current status of your Facebook video series or how do you feel about having done that? <laughs> that was, um, well, it kind of almost kept me sane for, for, uh, for that time. And I kind of had a, um, I kind of had a rule of, that I abided to at that point where I, I wouldn't do anything. It had to be a single take. I wasn't going to try to edit it. It was just, it just had to be a single take. If it took four of them, that would be fine. If I was bored after four, I was, I wasn't going to get it. I would just not do that. I'd do something different. But to be really honest, it was just as important about just talking to people, you know, and, and, and then, and, and, and having the focus of one of the tunes that, that may have, um, you know, evoked um, a, uh, a particular time or a story just just made it a, a little bit easier and that was that was good fun I, en- I enjoyed doing that but i had done that twice over the period of the of the whole covid um time period where everyone was semi-isolated and it was um it you could tell like anything else that it was it, there would be a point when i needed to things were getting the weather was getting better people were getting outside even last summer uh, so you know you needed a, a break and it's like writing in general you need a, you know you need a break you just can't force that all of the time when um, we're traveling and I'm doing the the daily logs and and such it's the same idea as long as you're getting that constant stream of input as long as you're getting all of that information coming in it's easy to synthesize and just and 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 put that out in your own words you know just the observations of what's happening out there and through fun anecdotes etc but once that is um, diminished once the input cycle is diminished or you finish that little tour or whatever like shut her down it's 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 probably better to refresh and, and let her go so um much as as that was really good fun and i might entertain that again you know a, a little ways down the road it it's um, not something that uh um that i really relied upon or or felt the need to have to deliver other than you know get nice feedback from people and and when i know that that they're um, enjoying it, or it's helping to contribute to you know to what they're going through, their days, or or um, just you know whatever it is that they can relate to. That's again, the, that's kind of what we do this for, right? It's about it's the same as performing. Once we know that it's it's actually making, uh, you're pulling you're pulling someone in, or it's making an impression on them, or they can relate to it for whatever that is. It's storytelling or the music. It, it's just. It's um, it's something that uh, that's that's the kick. That's that's what you know. That's why you want to be doing it. What do you think would be your favorite ways for early spirit to be getting out there and connecting with people now? Mm. Yeah, I guess when I have to reinvent that, that's going to be a tough one, especially at the stage of life that the other guys are at too. Things that are sort of coming into play and. Um, and careers because it's it's not like you can make a living doing this right now full time and and everyone else has a pretty focused uh, career objective so um, I guess I think 
it will be easier once things have started to open up again and we can make sense of it both geographically and over a time continuum because it's always difficult to, to you know to set aside that specific time for it so it'll be different there's no question it'll be different but um, again uh, for me it's a bonus anything that we can you know that we're able to do to facilitate getting back out and doing that would be good um, I've just just put canoesongs.com my website back up and it's going to be more of an umbrella now than than it was before sort of sorely focused on, I want to have a lots of different um, mediums for for uh, exploration on that nothing that it's going to be taking too much time because as you know I'm not particularly tech savvy to the point where I feel comfortable doing that but I'm getting some assistance which is good and I can just kind of rely on being the content not having to be the the facilitator of getting it out so that's fun and with you know with with video and and the ability to to do recordings at home to be able to use a lot of different things to be able to write um the the uh, diaries and things to be able to put all that stuff up again if if um people are are inclined to do that that's that's a that's a it's it's a a motivation but Again, it, the core of it is for me. You know, it's it's to be able to continue to use that as an outlet for uh, for a creative um, for creative development and just for fun. So, Jay, I'm thinking that we could have you back on the podcast at some point. I'm thinking maybe in person, have a fresh bottle of Monkey Shoulder ready for the occasion, <laughs> and we just let her rip because there's so many other things I could ask you. Because we'll have to put off all the myriad other things we could talk about until that future episode. I'll just throw you one more quick question here and then we'll get out of here. I'm definitely coming to see you in Gibson's and I'm looking forward to how your show at Harrison Fest goes. But all I want to know at this point is before you take the stage, either or both of those times, will all four of you do 10 push-ups? <laughs> Oh man, we've upped it to 15. So, I mean, and Aiden, I mean, he's he's a canoe instructor, right? Like out at out at Deep Cove. So, man, it'll be 20 by that time and uh yeah, no, we've got we've got some catching up to do. So, yeah, yeah. I've been practicing at home, but but uh it'll be it'll be at least 10, if not 15 and and then we'll see how it goes. Might might even up to 20, so. All right, I'm going to sign off. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me, my friend. Absolutely, my pleasure. Good to see you. If you like this podcast, subscribe to get more from wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us a five-star review if you can, and tell your friends to find the Rhythm Changes podcast in their app of choice. And if you really like this kind of thing, go to rhythmchanges.ca to learn more about what we do or visit patreon.com slash rhythmchanges to support us directly. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the Rhythm Changes podcast. Rhythm Changes is a churn-off music production.